might be E or tree, go ahead and turn to the book of Psalms, and we're going to uh, continue the uh, the unit. Uh, that's for our teachers in here. We're going to continue the series that we started just a few weeks ago, uh, titled "The Summer in the Psalms." And uh, this morning, uh, this might be some somebody in here. This might be your favorite one. This tends to be one that uh, certain people really, really like and really seem to enjoy. And I want to uh, go to Psalm 91. Psalm 91 today. The title of this message is this, You're in Good Hands. No, 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 no. You're in good hands with Jesus. All right. You're in good hands. Uh, I don't know about you, but I've, I've uh, had moments in my life, maybe even recently, where uh, I've needed help from the Lord. And uh, I've, I've been serving Jesus now for uh, quite some time. I got saved at the age of nine years old. And uh, after leaving a life of stealing cookies and running with scissors, God saved me from all of that. And, um, but here's what I found with my relationship with Jesus is that he's been so faithful. He's been so good uh, to help me with so many difficult times in my life. And for me, a relationship with Jesus is not merely just a, uh, uh, a free ticket to heaven. <laughs> uh, it's not just fire insurance. Uh, this is about Jesus helping me now while I'm here on earth, trying to live this thing out. And how many of you know sometimes life gets a little bit messy and life gets a little bit difficult? And the author of this psalm here we're actually not positive who wrote this psalm. Some people say Moses wrote it because he wrote the psalm right before and he wrote the one right after. Some people say it's David, but we do know this, it's powerful and speaks a lot of truth. So whoever wrote this dealt with quite a few uh, challenges and quite a few obstacles and quite a few difficulties and he discovered after it all that he was in good hands, in the hands of his God. And today I want to remind you that no matter what you might be facing, and no matter what you might be going through, you are in good hands. And this psalm illustrates that for us here today. So if you're able to, I'm going to ask you to stand with me in honor of God's word as we read this together. Psalm 91, we're going to start in verse 1. I'm in the New International Version today. If you have another one, just follow right along. If you don't have your Bible with you, we got all the scriptures on the screen for you so you could follow along that way, okay? Here we go. Whoever dwells in the shelter of the Most High will rest in the shadow of the Almighty. I will say of the Lord, He is my refuge and my fortress, my God in whom I trust. Surely He will save you from the fowler's snare and from the deadly pestilence. He will cover you with his feathers, and under his wings you will find refuge. His faithfulness will be your shield and your rampart. You will not fear the terror of night, nor the arrow that flies by day, nor the pestilence that stalks in the darkness, nor the plague that destroys at midday. A thousand may fall at your side, ten thousand at your right hand, but it will not come near you, you will only observe with your eyes and see the punishment of the wicked. You, if you say, the Lord is my refuge, 
And if you make the most high your dwelling, no harm will overtake you, no disaster will come near your tent. For he will command his angels according, uh, I'm sorry, concerning you to guard you in all your ways. They will lift you up in their hands so that you will not strike your foot against a stone. You will tread on the lion and the cobra. You will trample the great lion and the serpent. And because he loves me, says the Lord, I will rescue him and I will protect him for he acknowledges my name. He will call on me and I will answer him. I will be with him in trouble. I will deliver him and honor him. With long life, I will satisfy him and show him my salvation. Lord, speak to us now through your word. And uh, I thank you for your presence that we have felt so powerfully so far today. Now, Lord, I pray that same spirit would touch our hearts as we hear your word, that we might apply it to our lives in such a way that you move us, Lord God, to press closer to you. And Lord, we'll give you the praise for that. So we ask you for your anointing now in your precious name. And we all said amen. And amen. You may be seated. You're in good hands. You're in good hands. If you're a follower of Jesus Christ today, I want you to know that you most definitely are in very good hands. God is a God who will take care of you. God is a God who is very concerned about every part of your life. I want to say that again. God is very concerned with every part of your life. That's how much he loves you. I want you to picture this. Now, for me, being the pastor of this church, I've got X amount of people that God has blessed me to serve. Uh, and, and, and it's even a challenge for me to even know what every single person in this room and those that are watching us online, it's a challenge for me to even know what's going on in your life. And that's just the big stuff. <laughs> now, I want you to picture 7 billion people on this planet and with every single person on this planet, God is very, very much concerned with what's going on in every part of every one of those lives. That's the love he has for you. And if you're a follower of Jesus Christ, oh, you, you are in good hands today. He's, he's got you. It might not seem like it, but, but please don't be governed by your feelings don't be governed by how it feels to you. Be governed by what the Word of God has to say about you. Can you say amen to that? And so this morning, that's what I want to do. I want to take a look at this scripture and let's apply it to our lives, okay? So when we are in need of God's help, I want you to remember three things today. And it's all from this passage. It's all from this passage. There's three things that we need to remember. You ready? Uh, number one, let's remember his presence. Let's remember his presence. Now, pastor, what do you mean by that? There's a word in the first verse that I want to make sure that you capture. Okay? It says, whoever dwells in the shelter of the Most High will rest in the shadow of the Almighty. Now, some of you would be tempted to say, oh, I love that word rest. In fact, pastor, if you don't get more excited, I'm going to get some rest in about a minute or so. <laughs> <clears throat> the, 
Some of you, you like that whole shadow part, the, the idea of being protected by God's shadow. But, but I want you to focus on the word dwell. Whoever dwells in the shelter of the Most High. What's it mean to dwell in the shelter of the Most High? That, that means that the presence of God is a very real part of my life on an everyday basis. Not just a Sunday morning thing, not just a Wednesday night Bible study thing, but the presence of God, my relationship with God, is a very real part of my life every second of the day, every day of the week. Whoever dwells, he who dwells in the secret place, in the shelter of the Most High, he who dwells. We need to dwell with the Lord. Let me say it again. We need to dwell. Oh, I want you to get, some of you aren't getting this yet. Maybe I can put it to you this way, okay? The presence of the Lord is not a hotel, The presence of the Lord is not a hotel. What do I mean by that? We don't just check in and say, Oh, whoo, time to be spiritual. Time to, time to get my Jesus on. Okay? But as soon as that scenario is over, okay, let's, let's check out, okay? How much do I owe you? And, and, and we're done, until the next moment. And dwelling with Jesus, dwelling with the Lord, does not mean we check in and check out. Here's what concerns me. 21st century Christianity, especially in our country, we are very good at compartmentalizing our lives so much that we could have our Jesus moment and our work moment and our moment that we do our hobby and our home moment and whatever this moment is. And the problem is we, we've isolated Jesus just to one moment. And Jesus has to actually be in all of my moments. I need Jesus at work. I need Jesus when I go shopping. Folks, if you go to Walmart, you need Jesus there. <laughs> Apparently a pair of pajamas, but I digress. You need, you need, I need Jesus in everything that I do. Everywhere that I go, everything, uh, my... I'm trying to be a dad, trying to be a good husband, try, trying to, all this stuff. I need Jesus. And I, I can't check out. I got to have him. So the presence of the Lord is not a hotel. The presence of the Lord is also not a hospital. Oh, it hurts. I better be spiritual now. Oh, I'm low on money. I, I, boy. I better talk to Jesus now. It's been a while. Oh, th this is going bad for me. Now, I'm not saying that it's wrong for you to call upon Jesus when you're facing a crisis. That's kind of what this sermon is about. But listen to me. If the, only, oh boy, if the only time you ever talk to Jesus is during a crisis, 
then your walk with God is not very deep. In fact, if it takes a crisis for you to talk to Jesus, expect another crisis. Because Jesus will do everything he can to be in relationship with you. Am I saying Jesus is trying to make you miserable? No. No, no, no. That's not what I'm saying. But some of you would not even be here today if it wasn't for the fact that you were knocked flat on your back, not physically, but emotionally, maybe physically. You were knocked flat on your back and you finally cried out to Jesus Christ and you realize that there's more to this than just living in crisis mode. Jesus is not a panic button that we press every time we feel a little bit uncomfortable. Jesus wants to be in every part of our lives. Please don't reserve Jesus for the crisis. The presence of the Lord is not a hotel. The presence of the Lord is not a hospital. The presence of the Lord is my home. I will dwell in the shelter of the Most High. I, I will dwell there. I'm not there to visit. I'm there to stay. And I will not leave. Can you say amen? We need the presence of God in our times of trouble. You need Jesus in your times of trouble. Don't abandon him. Don't start acting unchristlike if that's a word. This is the time for you to press in. This is the time for you to embrace the presence of God in your life. This is the time to open up the word of God. This is the time to pray. This is not the time to take a break. This is the time to actually get as much of Jesus as you can. Secondly today, I want us to be reminded not only of his presence, but I also want us to be reminded of his protection. God is a protector. Oh, it doesn't feel like it to me. I'm going through this. You know what I've learned? I have learned that God tends to protect me from things that I don't even realize he's protecting me from. (laughs) Sometimes I don't even know until after the fact. I'll illustrate that in just a little bit. But let's take, again, take a look at what the word of God has to say. Starting in verse 2, going to verse 10. I'll say to the Lord, he is my refuge and my fortress, my God in whom I trust. Surely he will save you from the fowler's snare and from the deadly pestilence. He will cover you with his feathers and under his wings you will find refuge. His faithfulness will be your shield and your rampart. You will not fear the terror of night nor the arrow that flies by day, nor the pestilence that stalks in the darkness, nor the plague that destroys at midday. A thousand may fall at your side, ten thousand at your right hand, but it will not come near you. You will only observe with your eyes and see the punishment of the wicked. If you say the Lord is my refuge and you make the most high your dwelling, no harm will overtake you. No disaster will come near your tent. I'm saying sometimes the Lord protects us from things that we don't even realize. Those of you who've ever been parents know what this is like. When you have a toddler who is learning how to walk, or is walking, or with our toddler, was running everywhere. And, and, and I found myself, some, I learned some secrets as a dad. Uh, there were times that I would lead him, and he was very aware of my presence, because I was way bigger than him. <laughs> Still am. And, uh, but then there were moments that little one or two-year-old Jonathan would be walking or running, and I'd be behind him. 
He didn't see me. But I noticed he was getting kind of close to bumping into that lawn chair. It's like, and I'd move it. He didn't know I moved it. But he didn't get hurt. He'd almost bump into the grill. It's like, (laughs) he didn't know I moved that grill. But it protected him. See, folks, even when you cannot sense his presence, God's protection is still there. But we, we even have some specific instances that the author of this psalm tells us where we can find his protection and his presence is there and we should be aware of. Uh, first of all, our times of distress. Distress. Those... <laughs> those very sudden things that happen. Nobody plans on problems, do we? What are you doing Thursday? Well, probably going to get sick. (laughs) No. Uh, Sometimes things pop up like that. The the author of the psalm uses the terminology, the the fowler snare, which is basically a, a trap that is set to catch a bird. The bird doesn't know what's coming. He's just kind of doing what birds do. <laughs> I have no idea if birds do this, but I just did that, okay? <laughs> incredible, incredible preaching right there, folks. Thank you very much. But all of a sudden, unbeknownst to him, the snare, the trap. And some of us, we've, we've had that. And the Bible says that he will certainly save me from those sudden things that I wasn't expecting. Those sudden traps. Do not think that God has thrown his arms up there and say, where'd that come from? He's very much aware even when the trap comes down suddenly. Not only distress, but also disease. Man, I look around this room and I've seen, I've prayed with some of you at the hospital. Prayed with some of you over the phone. I plan to see somebody today at the hospital. Uh, These things take place. Verses 3 and 6 talk about pestilence or deadly pestilence, disease that takes place. And, and, And sometimes when we are facing physical battles and physical challenges, there's this temptation to think that that is equal to being uh, abandoned by God. And I will tell you that that is not the case. We have, we have some here that currently you're facing some physical battles. And my word to you, stay faithful. Stay faithful. Stay faithful. Well, why is this happening? I don't know. Isn't that the answer you were looking for from the preacher? Why is this happening to me? I don't know. But I know the one who does. And that, that's what I can rest on. Uh, danger is the third. In verse 5, we, we get this imagery of, of arrows flying our direction and the terror that comes at night. And 
how the Lord protects us from certain danger. I'm going to give you a story at the end of this message that illustrates that powerfully. And then fourthly, disaster. Disaster. Where everything has changed. In 22 years at this church, I've seen moments where everything's changed for some of you. And these are moments where you have to decide, okay, am I still going to serve Jesus or not? Am I still going to stay faithful? Am I still going to dwell in the presence of God? Or am I checking out of this thing? Can I tell you that there are people that used to sit in these green chairs that no longer will or any chair on a Sunday for that matter because they never got over the disaster? And that is the goal of our enemy. The enemy is not trying to make you miserable as much as he's trying to separate you from God. Do you think that the enemy is just all about you being uncomfortable? It's deeper than that. It's deeper than that. We've got to see the big picture. But listen to me. Do not convince yourself that God is absent when any of these things take place in your life. When I was sick, God was there. When I had to be rushed into surgery, God was there. In my times of crisis, God was there. When I found out my brother had a heart attack and was being life-flighted to the hospital, God was there. When divorce took place in my family when I was a boy growing up, I didn't like it, I didn't enjoy it one bit, but God was there. He was there for me. Please do not think that the presence of these issues is a sign that God has somehow become absent. He has not. And my word to somebody here today, if if you're wavering here today, wondering, is it worth it to serve Jesus still because I feel this way? The resounding answer today is yes. How can you go through these things without Jesus in his presence? We've seen his presence. We've seen his protection. And then I'm going to close with this because I know we have cake. Or as Andy said, cake. So eloquently. I want to examine his promises. This is what you can hang on to. This is what you can hang on to today. If you're facing trouble, if you're facing trial, if you're facing crisis, and we all do, okay? Jesus said this, in this world, you will have trouble. Okay? That is nobody's life verse in here. Except for maybe this part, be of good cheer. I've overcome the world, Jesus said. So here's the promises that we have. Oh, whoever that voice is, he sounds godly. (laughs) I love technology. Let's see what he says. Let's go to verse 11. You ready? Verse 11 says this. For he will command his angels concerning you to guard you in all your ways. They will lift you up in their hands so that you will not strike your foot against a stone. You will tread on the lion and the cobra. You will trample the great lion and the serpent. 
Because he loves me, says the Lord, I will rescue him. I will protect him, for he acknowledges my name. He will call on me, and I will answer him. I will be with him in trouble. I will deliver him and honor him. With long life, I will satisfy him and show him my salvation. Here's what you can count on. You ready? Number one is the supernatural. I still believe Jesus does miracles. In fact, the story I'm going to close with is going to make you believe in miracles if you don't already. I still believe that God is very active in our lives today. And He is a healer. And that He is a provider. That that He gives us favor. That He protects us. That He gives us wisdom. All of that. I believe that God moves incredibly in our lives on a daily basis, not just our Sunday service, but as we walk this thing out, we can count on the supernatural help of God. And, and verses 11 and 12 talk about the activity of angels. Yes, I believe that God uses whatever is at his disposal to protect us. Why? Because you're in good hands. Because these are supernatural hands. No, we don't pray to angels. No, we don't talk to angels. So if you're into that, stop it. Okay? Who do we pray to? We pray to God. We pray to God. We pray to God. And then God does his thing. So for some, he may command angels to protect me. For others, he might just heal me supernaturally. Some of you, I look around, you've experienced the miracles You've seen God move supernaturally. And he still does it today. You can count on the supernatural. Secondly, you can count on his security. You can count on his security. Scripture says that you will walk on or among the lion and the cobra. Now, for those of you who are visitors, that doesn't mean that we bring out the snakes and we, and we walk on those. We're not one of those churches, okay? Just on special occasions. No, I'm, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. But here's what it says. When we have to walk in dangerous times, God's there with us. And, and we have his security of knowing that he's there with us. When, 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 when I'm in a spot that seems very dangerous, when I find myself in a spot that seems very, very traumatic, God's there with me. I am not alone. I've walked in some places where physically, I didn't see anybody with me, but spiritually, I knew who was with me. And that gave me the security to do what God had called me to do. Next, you can count on his safety. You can count on the supernatural. You can count on his security. You can count on his safety. Verse 14 says that he will rescue us. I'm just going to tell you right now, God is not in the business of leaving you hanging. God is not in the business of leaving you alone. I'll never forget one time in Columbus when my wife and I went to a, a water park together. And, and she already knows what the story is going to be. And, and, and I, I am not a swimmer. Okay? I'm more of an anchor. Okay. How many of you know what I'm talking about, right? I get in the water and boom, there he goes. So, and I've never been a good swimmer. Never been a good swimmer. And, uh, and, and so, yeah, anyway. So, so we, decided to go into, no, we decided to go into the wave pool. 
okay? And we had these big old inner tube things, okay? Now, my wife is having the time of her life. She said, yeah, this is woo-hoo. You know, she just, I am terrified. I was like, I'm going to die here. And then, and then, then she was thirsty, and she left me. Now, if you know that when you're in a wave pool, that's not like the kiddie pool, which is where I'm way more comfortable, by the way. That thing's just, it's taking, so, so it's taking me, and I can't feel my feet on the bottom anymore. I'm like an, this is the end right here. And I'm, and I'm floating, I am floating and screaming all the way to the other side of the wave pool. And then my wife comes back and she's like, where's my husband at? And, and, and I'm the one who is a sheet of white. My, my, I'm like, am I right? I was, I was like, how could you do this to me? And she rescued me and grabbed my inner tube and took me back to the kiddie pool, which was <laughs> where I belonged the entire time. Ankle deep. Ankle deep. We're good. <laughs> so I'm sitting there in the kiddie pool like this. Anyway, why did I tell that story? I, safety. Okay. Uh, cheap laugh. God's not in the business of seeing you just struggle in the pool. And I'm not saying my wife is trying to make... Were you... (laughs) God... (laughs) No. And we're still married, okay? 34 years yesterday, okay? Woo, okay, we did. Yeah, sure, good. All right, yeah, yeah, that's good. So, (laughs) but we've never gone to a wave pool since. And uh, so, I mean, we learned from that experience. So, so, but God's not in the business of saying, let's just see how far you can go before you start crying, before you get really, really scared. I don't think that's the way that God acts. I think when we find ourselves in situations that really make us anxious, that really make us afraid, we have the safety and the protection of Jesus to pull us back into more comfortable waters when we need to. He's got us. He has never left us. He has never forsaken us, and he never will. I can count on him for my safety. Can you say amen? I'm going to hurry up. Uh, we, we can count on number four, his sincerity. Verse 15, I want to reread it again. He will call on me, and I will answer him. Stop there. We have a promise of an answer, a sincere love for me, where when I call out to him, my prayer doesn't stop at the ceiling. But when I call out to him, he will answer me. He will reply because he loves me. So he hears your prayer, friend. He hears your prayer. And not only that, he will answer your prayer. You have that in Scripture that you can count on. And then verse 16 salvation. (laughs) With long life, verse 16 says, I will satisfy him and show him my salvation. You may not be comfortable 
But if you know Jesus Christ as your Savior, you've got your salvation. This is a tough lesson for us to learn, but God wants to make you holy more than he wants to make you happy. And so he, what, he wants, what he wants is for your soul to be saved and to know that Jesus is my Savior. And I, and I know this, and I know this. And, and perhaps today you don't know Christ. Perhaps today you're not serving Jesus Christ. Can I tell you? That is the biggest decision you'll ever make in your life is to give your life fully to Jesus Christ. Totally to Jesus Christ. What happens there? He saves my life. After this life, I'm with him forever. But even before that happens, I've got the supernatural on my side. I've got his security on my side. I've got his safety and his sincerity. I have his salvation. He has saved me. That's what I have. You see, that's why I'm saved today. Not because they don't pay me to be saved here. I am saved not because it's my job. I'm saved because I know that a life devoted to Jesus Christ is greater than anything else I could ever have on this earth. Everything else is just a cheap substitute. And today, if you don't know Christ, I beg of you, give your life completely to him. Jonathan, can you help me out? I want to introduce you to somebody, a missionary by the name of John G. Patton. John G. Patton. That's his yearbook picture. I'm sorry. Just ruined that story. John G. Patton was a missionary to the, to the New Hebrides. While he was serving there, he provoked the anger of the local native chief that was there. Because Brother John had all these incredible successes in proclaiming the gospel there. The native chief was not happy. And so he hired a man to kill him in the middle of the night. The man went to the missionary's house, Brother John's house, but instead of murdering him, he returned totally frightened because he saw a row of men dressed in white surrounding the missionary's home. The chief thought that the man was drunk and so he told him, you go try again. And this time, other natives from the village accompanied him to kill Brother John. And when they got to the house that night, they saw all of them saw the same thing. Not just one of them. All of them saw three rows of men dressed in white surrounding Brother John's home. 
and they didn't go for it. The chief asked the missionary where he kept the men at the daytime hours. Where are these guys? And Brother John, not even knowing what had happened, just said, I don't have any extra people living here. But then it dawned on Brother John that who those men were were a company of angels that had surrounded the house and protected Brother John from certain harm. What, what did Brother John know? That he was in good hands. You're in good hands. You may not even realize what God's protecting you from, but you're in, you're in good hands. Verse 4 of the chapter we just read says, He will cover you with his feathers, and under his wings you will find refuge. His faithfulness will be your shield and your rampart. You are in good hands. And today, maybe you, maybe you have felt that God has kind of said, whoops. And somehow this doesn't apply to you. Oh, it applies to you. You're in good hands. If, if you're going through some crisis in your life, you're in good hands. If, if, if there's illness in your family or in your body, you're, you're in good hands. If somebody in your family needs Jesus, you're in good hands. If your marriage is struggling today, you're in good hands. If your job situation is a mess, you're in good hands. You're in good hands because I choose to dwell in the secret place of the Most High. I choose to dwell in the shelter. Almighty God. And today, His protection is there for each and every one of us here this morning. Will you stand with me, please?